Good morning. My name is Sandy Snyder, and I serve as an elder and a Stephen minister in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. We are known by you, gracious God, better than we know ourselves. You have given us life, and you have renewed our spirits. You have carried us to the heights, and you have dwelled with us in life's depths. You are our hope and our trust. Touch us here, for you are far beyond our reach. Dwell with us here to lift our aspirations and inspire confidence among us. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? The prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Let us worship God. When asked what is the greatest commandment, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He continued saying, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these two. In attempting to keep these commandments, we all fall short in many ways. So let us make our confession to God, trusting in his everlasting mercy. Let us pray. All-knowing God, we confess our participation in the hatred and evil that is consuming this planet. 
we gladly accept for ourselves the power and advantages that come our way. We seldom consider the cost to others of our prosperity. We tolerate poverty, hunger, and homelessness for people we do not know. We think our small efforts too insignificant to make a difference. Wash away, O oh God, the evil that paralyzes us, that we may become rescuers of the oppressed and seekers after justice. Create in us a right spirit that prompts us to live by faith and to dare great things for you. In Jesus' name, amen. God hears our prayers. He loves and values us. He forgives what is past and calls us to new life as disciples of his son, Jesus Christ. In him, we are free to begin again, to rebuild our relationships and to walk as children of the light, growing and maturing in our faith and living in love and peace and joy. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now let us join together in stating what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the warmth of Christ.
Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Thankful that the good Lord has provided us a beautiful day and for the chance to be here in this good place to know that we are within this great family of God and we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome. And if you are uh, new to us today, we are delighted to have you here. We hope that you will have a chance to continue in conversation with us after the service. We invite you underneath the tree, find some shade, enjoy uh, some beverage and uh, have uh, take the opportunity to continue in your conversations. We would love for you to fill out the friendship pads in the pews and that way uh, you can note those folks who are at least sitting in your pew and uh, you can perhaps find the chance to uh, get to know them a little bit better down the road. We uh, are in the midst of school beginning again. Uh, tomorrow, Sarasota County Schools go back to school. Manatee County started, I think, four weeks ago. Um, and, uh, but, uh, so that means the church is, uh, well, it's not that we ever kind of went to sleep. We never did over the summer, but now we're back engaged with uh, our fall season. So next Sunday is kickoff Sunday. And uh, it's gonna be a great day, big day here uh, at Church of the Palms. We're gonna be uh, together, the two nine o'clock services, the garden and the uh, traditional service will be here in the sanctuary worshiping together, which will be a wonderful thing. We'll have a chance to experience the oneness that we have in Christ. And uh, that will be giving us the opportunity then to spill out into the courtyard after our worship to enjoy, to discover all the things that are happening in this fall season, as well as going into the uh, campus center to learn more about what's happening and pancakes, so um, you, you can't miss the pancakes. So we want you to come and join us for that particular Sunday, next Sunday uh, here at nine o'clock here in our worship. And then we'll have our 11 o'clock traditional service as always here in the sanctuary following. Our discipleship class today is uh, being moved into the chapel. So when you go over to that building, just make sure you go into the chapel, that's where that class will be held. And we also invite you, after you've had a chance to get some beverage, to go into the uh, church offices, the administration building. We have this wonderful photo gallery. Some of the great gifts of our congregation are being displayed there. People have taken some amazing pictures. We invite you to go in and take a look at that. And as you're going in, you'll have a chance to meet our new staff member, Sandra Leak, who is our front office coordinator, and she's just getting started. So take the chance to get to know her. Uh, she's certainly been a part of Church of the Palms for a long time, but she'll be in a new capacity. She'll, she would love to uh, greet you as you come in to uh, experience that part of our, our ministry here at Church of the Palms. Let's now continue our worship. Sometimes I'm lifted to the mountain top where I soar on eagles' wings. Joy overflows and I give you praise as you make my spirit sing. But there are times when the road Child, you are 
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus. You're the one who designed the universe and you set our world into motion. But you are also our Heavenly Father and you love us with an everlasting love. You see in us all of our imperfections and our faults, our failings and our sins. And yet, you still love us. You correct us and discipline us at times because you do love us. And you want to make and mold us more and more into your own image and your likeness. Because of you, we're not what we used to be. But we're not what we're going to be either because you're not through with us yet. This all reminds us of who we are and also who you are. We're often unsure of what's best, and we're uncertain of your will at times. So each of our prayers today are that you would make us to come to clear understanding of what you desire and mold us after your own sovereign and divine will. There are so many things in our world and our individual lives that we need <clears throat> to bring to you in prayer. We are people that often forget our proneness to sin, and we get lost in our self-will. We consider ourselves good, moral people, but we confess that we constantly need you. And there are others who need you outside of your kingdom as well. They may not go to church or read the Bible, but they do know us, and they watch our lives. So we pray that you'll help us to be a witness for godliness and righteousness and live so that they will see something different in us. You put us here for a purpose, Lord. So may our light shine that others may be drawn to you. 
We pray for the needs of our people today. There are so many physical needs, and we bring them to you. In our hearts, we'd like you to answer prayer and touch their bodies in definite and positive ways. But we do pray that through it all, you will uplift them emotionally and spiritually and blunt their discouragement and the spirit of defeat when their bodies are weak and suffering. We pray that you'll also strengthen those with challenging relationships that need reconciliation. Help them and help all of us to have the grace and humility to seek forgiveness and restoration. Some are struggling with other needs besides physical. They need help for whatever reason, some which we do not know. They're in straits where your help is needed, Lord, and you know how to help them through these crisis times. And they and we ask <clears throat> that we'll all be open to you and your divine direction. We pray again for our country's leaders. There are so many disquieting things happening today. <clears throat> the state of our current world, and our own country. We pray that somehow you will reach through and help our leaders to be wise, discerning, and turn to you for guidance and direction. You have said in your word, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and we earnestly desire your Holy Spirit to be present all across our country, and if possible, this world. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will be active in the affairs of our land. We want to thank you for the wonderful ministry of so many of our staff. Thank you for great music, for youth leadership, for Bible study uh, leadership, and all of those who contribute to building us in the body of Christ. We pray for Pastor Steve now as he brings the message. You have helped him in the preparation and study. Now, Please anoint him with your divine enabling and speak to us through him. And we pray this with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. <clears throat> for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we're going to ask our ushers to come forward and lead us in the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we would be unable to give if you had not first given to us. Thank you for the richness of your blessings. And in this moment, as we give much of this back to you, we pray that it will be used for the glory of your kingdom. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And Carol and the kids, we're looking forward to having you come down and hear what Carol's going to say. If you are a student and you brought your backpack, and even if you don't have your backpack, it is a special morning here at church because we are beginning a new school year. Some of you have started, and some of you start tomorrow. So we are going to bless the backpack. So um, Sheila's going to give the message, and when we get ready uh, to say the prayer, we invite the parents to come down and uh, share in the blessing. So look at all you guys. You look great. Look at all these great backpacks. Yours has pandas. Oh, yours is really, really colorful. I see a Snoopy one back there, too. So some of us have new backpacks, and some of us have the ones that we've had since kindergarten. And when we pick them out, maybe we like the way they look, or we like the way they feel, or they're super, super big, and you can put a bunch of stuff in them. But they all help us bring our stuff to school each day and bring it back home. So this is my backpack, and it's just black. But And some of you guys may think it's like a little boring, but I think it's very special, and it's unique to me, and it helps me bring all my stuff to and from school, and it's really, really helpful. So is there anything that you guys wish you could bring to school each day, but you really can't? Your pet. Your pet? Yeah, I wish my, I could bring my cat. My dog. Your dog. Electronics. I like that. That's a big <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and are you guys very excited, but also maybe a little bit nervous about school? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. No. <laughs> when I was in elementary school, I was so excited to go to school, get to have new class, new students, new people I like to make friends with. But I was also a little bit nervous because, you know, sometimes you don't always have that friend in your class that you can have fun with and that you know that's always going to be there. But someone that you can always count on to be in your class with you is God because he's everywhere. And in the Bible, it says... The Lord our God is with us, and he will help us. And another thing that's in the Bible is that you guys are loved, and God loves you all so very much. Who are you guys loved by? Do you know? Who are you loved by? Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. Mom. Mom. <laughs> My hamster. <laughs> I'm sure your hamster loves you very much. So all these people love us so very much, and God loves us so very much also, and he blessed us with a home family, which is like your mom, your dad, your brothers, and your sisters, but he also blessed you guys with a church family, and that's all these lovely people here. So even if you're having a really, really bad day, you can know that your home family and your church family will love and support you no matter what. So... As this new school year begins, I want you guys to remember that God loves you no matter what. And everyone at school isn't as blessed as you guys to know that Jesus Christ is always with you and that God loves you. So you might see someone who's a little upset or lonely, and that's God whispering to you to go be a friend to them and show him his love. 
So now I invite all the parents to come and bless the backpacks of their kids. Anyone, grandparents or parents that want to come in for the blessing, come on up and we'll lay hands on the kids. So we're about to bless these backpacks because we get to take these lovely things to school each day. And your backpack can be a reminder to you guys that God is with you and that he's always going to be with you no matter what, even if you're lonely or sad at school. Okay, let us pray. Gracious God, we lift to you today students all over the country who are starting a new school year as students in preschool, elementary school, middle and high school, and even college. We pray for the parents, teachers, tutors, and administrators who will touch the lives of these kids. We ask your blessing today on these backpacks as they will hold the schoolwork and supplies from home to school and back again each day. And Lord, pour out your blessing on each child here. May they feel your presence and abundant love. May they hear your whisper as they head off to school and activities each day, filled with the confidence of how much they are loved and that you are with them. We pray in the name of Jesus, who we seek to follow day by day. And now for these kids, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and fill your hearts with love now and forever. Amen.
many of you I know had the chance to um, be here last Sunday to participate in our student ministry Sunday, which is actually now happening over in the garden. Uh, I had the chance to watch that remotely and uh, what a powerful service that was and to hear the testimony of so many of our kids who have been away and several trips this summer. And uh, we encourage you, if you didn't have the chance to be here last Sunday, to go online, churchofthepalms.org, and, um, and find uh, in the archive that service and to experience that uh, incredible time of sharing and uh, to see really what is happening in the lives of our youth um, when they uh, go away for the summer and throughout the course of the year. And we're so grateful to have Jacob Orr with us to lead us in that ministry. We're concluding today our uh, Summer of Psalms, and we are taking a look today at Psalm 103. Uh, we will be um, reading this entire psalm and then also hearing from the New Testament, but hear the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, oh, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, obedient to his spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. From Romans chapter eight, verses one through eight. Paul writes and says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. This reason the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace, O Lord, and through your mercy, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read into the word, made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen. A few years ago, Bill Henry died. Bill Henry lived in Lakeland, Florida. He was 83 years old. Everyone who knew Bill, of course, knew about his baseball career, 16 seasons in the majors, playing for the Cincinnati Reds in the 1961 World Series, an all-star in 1960. He loved to tell stories about playing baseball, his friends, with, he was friendships with some of the greats. So as with all flesh, he died, and the Associated Press ran his obituary, and can you imagine the surprise of the man in Texas, whose name is Bill Henry, who picked up the paper to learn that he had died? This was the real Bill Henry, the real baseball player, the real 1960 all-star who was reading that he had died in Florida. Most people die in Florida, but he didn't die in Florida. Long story short, the Bill Henry of Florida had been pretending, pretending for years, for decades, that he was the real Bill Henry. No one knows why he did it, not even his wife. It can be a big surprise what we sometimes make ourselves out to be. In a church I once served, a 70-year-old man came to see me to get something off his chest, and what he wanted to get off his chest was that a week before he had gone with his wife of 45 years down to the Social Security office for her to sign up for her Social Security benefits. She was 65, and they, of course, asked her a battery of questions, and when they asked her if she had been married before, she said yes, and it was news to him. It can be a big surprise, what we sometimes make ourselves out to be. Sometimes we can play pretend very well. I want to wonder with you this morning about what it is that you might be pretending to be. It is, isn't it, one of the great games of the human experience, the game of pretend. We learned it long ago when we were kids. Let's pretend, we often said in our childhood, used to say it to your friends, let's pretend. Girls pretend to play with their dolls. Boys pretend with their toy guns. My buddies and I used to play wiffle ball and pretend that we were playing in Tiger Stadium where the real Detroit Tigers played. We got an early start, didn't we, at this game of pretend, and of course, we didn't stop playing pretend when we stopped being kids to one degree or another. We have all sort of kept playing a little bit this game of pretend, not with dolls and toys, but perhaps with who we are. Who are you pretending to be? Now, I'm not suggesting that there are any of us here who are living double lives or passing ourselves off to be professional baseball players, but there is this chance, isn't there, at least a little bit, that you're playing pretend. 
Now, a lot of us might quickly and defensively respond by saying, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not pretending to be anybody. What you see is what you get. Many of us might want to say that, and if it were true, then that would make us into the first truly authentic human beings. But the truth of the matter is, each of us has a little bit of pretending going on. It has been that way ever since the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, after disobeying God, sewed those fig leaves together and hid themselves and played pretend. Who are you pretending to be? Is there someone you're pretending to be that you really aren't? Is, is it this game of, you know, this is who I am, but I don't like who I am, so I will be somebody else? Is there someone you're pretending to be because, you know, you don't like kind of who you are, but you kind of like what that kind of person is, so I will kind of make myself into that mold? I want to be like that person. It all begins in elementary school, right? Doesn't end with graduation. There's all sorts of pretending going on. Some of us are pretending to have our acts together. Some are pretending to be better than we are. Some are pretending to be more secure than we are. Some are pretending to be more caring than we are. Some are pretending to know more than we do. Some are pretending to look differently than we really do. Some are pretending to be happier than we really are. No harm, we say to ourselves, in pretending just a little, kind of like how you get along in life. But as C.S. Lewis reminds us, we mortals tend, he writes, to turn into the thing we are pretending to be. You've seen it, haven't you? The good guy in the neighborhood pretends to be a hard guy at work, and then all of a sudden he becomes the hard guy in the neighborhood. <laughs> the optimistic person all of a sudden hangs out with her cynical friends and then turns out to be a little bit cynical in all of her life. The middle class guy moves into the upper class neighborhood and pretends he's upper class when all of a sudden now he's looking down on his middle class friends. You see, the thing about pretending is that sooner or later you become a slave to your pretension. And when you become a slave to your pretension, you begin to lose who you really are. We are condemned to be who we were never intended to be. How often I talk to people who get put on some kind of you know, treadmill, some kind of fast track in their life, and they start pretending to like what they're doing, to like where they are, to like how they're going about their life, and they really don't, but they pretend to, and then all of a sudden they realize they can't get off the track anymore, and they feel condemned to be where they are condemned to violate the very nature of who they are. I wonder if that isn't what the Apostle Paul in part is talking about when he talks about the condemnation. Paul talks about condemnation, the condemnation of sin. And the very root of sin is what? The very root of sin is trying to be other than a child of God. We, we condemn ourselves when we don't hold on to our identity as children of God. So Paul says, you know, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, Christ has set us free from having to play pretend. I am loved by God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't need to be anyone different to earn this love. Without Christ, you see, we are condemned, though, to this pretending. We are condemned to think that to be approved, we must become someone different than we are. Paul says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
The psalmist says it a little differently. Did you know, the psalmist says, that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Did you know that he forgives your iniquity, he heals your diseases, he redeems your life from the pit, he satisfies you with good as long as you live. Did you know that God loves you right where you are? Not where you think you need to be. Not where you want to somehow feel like you have to change yourself to be. That as the heavens are high above the earth, the psalmist says, so great is his love for you. We are set free to be the very thing God created us to be. Lots of voices right out there that are telling you all the things you cannot be. Lots of people who have pigeonholed you into an identity that, you, that they want you to have. Your parents, your boss, your spouse, your children, your teachers, your financial planner. They all have this course that they've got you to run. A train track that you're condemned to. Paul says we are, we are not condemned neither in our sin nor are we condemned in our purpose, our treadmill, our fast track in the spirit of God. We are set free to be and to do the very thing we were created to be and to do. See, the truth of the matter is you are right, by, you are right now by virtue of your creation and by virtue of, your, of the spirit, you are free to live into the very power that God has given you. You are free to live into the very power that God has given you. It has always been the case. When you were a baby, a tiny baby, you were free to live in the very power that was in you. When you cried, you cried when you wanted to cry. You laughed when you wanted to laugh. You slept when you wanted to sleep. You ate when you wanted to eat. Didn't really much matter what your parents thought about all that. You were free to live into yourself. It's how you were created. And it's the Spirit of God who wants to take us back to this very fundamental nature of who we are, that we are children of God. Chances are there is some part of your life that has been imprisoned by the demands and expectations of other people, and you've been pretending to be that person to the point of giving yourself away, but it's the Spirit of God who says that you are fundamentally free to choose who you will be in your relationship with God. No one gets to say in the kingdom of God, I don't have a choice. It is a violation of your identity in Christ to say I have no choice. No one gets to say that what I want to do is impossible, therefore I have no choice. Norton Jester's childhood classic, The Phantom Tollbooth, has a character named Milo who sets on a quest to rescue an exiled princess. And this quest means contesting with great forces and great monsters. And when he returns finally with the rescued princess, the king says to the hero, oh, so many things are possible just as long as you don't know they're impossible. For what you can do is often simply a matter of what you will do. What you can do is often simply a matter of what you will do. And what we will do and what we can do is found in the very fabric of the being God has given us. Frederick Douglass, the great 19th century African-American voice of conscience reflected upon his time of slavery and his long desire to have a different life. And finally he said, I prayed for 20 years but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. 
what you will do has so much to bear upon what you know you can do. What will you do to bring an end to your pretending? What will you do to accept the identity, the true identity that God has given you? What will you do to surrender yourself to the call of God in Christ Jesus? What will you do to allow the Spirit to set you free to become something that maybe you thought once was impossible to be? Years ago, I read about a guy named James Smith who was a professor of fisheries and wildlife at the University of Minnesota. He had received a grant to take he and his family to Nepal to do some research. And when he was in Nepal, he and his little four-year-old boy, Alex, went out into the fields to do some work. And Alex had wandered a little bit away. And when Jim looked up and saw where Alex was, he also saw what would be any parent's worst nightmare. He saw also a huge rhinoceros. Now, the very moment he was noticing the rhinoceros, the rhinoceros was noticing Alex, the little four-year-old. And the moment the rhinoceros noticed little Alex, it began to charge little Alex. Jim Smith was watching a several-ton rhino charging his four-year-old boy. Now, the day before, if you would have asked Jim Smith if he had it within him to go one-on-one with a several-ton rhinoceros, you know, maybe jump into a zoo pit and challenge a rhino to a duel, he would have said, not a chance. Today, a several-ton rhinoceros is charging his four-year-old boy. And Jim did what was in his power to do. He took his place in front of the charging rhino, and with his oblivious four-year-old boy completely unaware behind him, the speeding beast came upon him, and Jim leapt onto his head and wrestled him to the ground. In the process, gored 14 times and lived. There's nothing that is impossible when you're a father of a boy being charged by a rhinoceros. What you can do is often a matter of what you will do. This past past week in Rio in women's wrestling, U.S. wrestler Helen Maroulis defeated the undefeated Saroy Yoshida something that many thought was an impossible feat. The next day when she, was, when she was asked if she was bothered by not getting enough press time because of other distracting things that were happening in the Olympics, she said, I didn't come here to win a gold medal for press time. I didn't come here to win a gold medal in order to find something within myself or to find peace within myself. I found my self-worth before I stepped onto the mat. Yesterday was about stepping onto the mat and wrestling to the best of my ability and really taking joy in what I do. I found my self-worth before I stepped onto the mat. Well, friends, there's good news. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You are loved for who you are, and that's the power. 
because the Lord is merciful and gracious. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward us. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do you know that about yourself? The spirit of God has set you free. No condemnation. You are not confined to what you once were. So maybe you have a rhinoceros to tackle. Maybe you've got a godlike mission to perform. Maybe you've got a mess, wrestling mat to step onto, an addiction to overcome, a responsibility to own, a tough relationship to lean into, a scary future to embrace. C.S. Lewis said, a familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. A familiar captivity is frequently more desirable than an unfamiliar freedom. And sometimes the most unfamiliar freedom is the freedom to be who we are.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.